So, Nell, um, welcome. Thanks for thanks for coming on. My pleasure. So, what made you want to? Become, well, okay, that, okay, scrap that question. Um, you're an author, so <laughs> what I want to what I want to ask really is: Were there any other creative people in your family that you could have drew up that could have inspired you? To- um, not particularly to become an author. Though mm. so my parents, my mother loves books. She absolutely loves, she's a huge reader and has been all of her life. Mm. And she taught both me and my brother to read. By the time we were three, we could manage like simple sentences in, in, a, in a book with simple words. And even now, although she's um, legally registered blind now, she gets through audio books at such a mm. pace. It's, mm. it's absolutely ridiculous. And my dad has always been quite artistic. He was a sign writer at one point in his life. So they've always been very into art and they both really love music. And I think all of those things together help feed that sort of atmosphere really sometimes. Yeah, that's that's amazing that you're able to read a three. Can you remember what kind of books you were reading at that time? Uh, they're, they're just like, you know, the, the sort of one, two words on a page type <laughs> things. But I can remember going to school and the teacher being slightly cross because I was, which happened all the way through primary school, because by the time I was halfway through primary school, I'd read all of their reading scheme and mm. they were running out of stuff to give me that was age appropriate. Mm. I'd that? run at the school library to read whatever <laughs> time I was nine so that was quite nice well then they should have prepared things for you because they (laughs) they did they were really good they even brought in a new set of reading scheme and I got through that in about six weeks so they gave up at that point (laughs) just better read what she likes so that's all right um so when did you kind of get the bug for writing um I've always written stories right from when I was really really young Mm. and joined my first writing group when I was 12. Wow. And that's Dudley Writers, and they're, they're still going now, except I think they're called Castle Writers now. Mm. Um, and I was one of the youngest people to go there. They used to meet once a month at the mm. library. Mm. So I've, I've been writing for a long time. Um, it used to be poetry and short stories. But then by the time I was 17, I'd moved on to trying novels. They were all terrible. I will hate them. <laughs> I'll never see the light of day. But, you know, you, you do what you do, don't you, really? Exactly. Like, they're, they're not, well, when you're first starting out, they're not all going to be, they're not all going to be winners, are they? But it's the yeah. fact that you, like, it's the fact that you had the guts to actually do it and put pens away, but I'm not, and not give up. That's brilliant. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, I, I don't think I could give up because mm-hmm. it's like having, Needing to write is like having an itch mm. that you don't scratch it after a time, it will drive you crazy. So you have to get it out somewhere. I mean, there are parts of your life when you don't, for whatever circumstances, you don't get to write as much as you would like to write or you write different things. But I think that need to create is within most creative people. I think if you speak to painters or any kind of person that works with words or music or arts they'll say the same thing that it, it doesn't go away mm. as like you said it is an itch that you need to, it is an itch that you need to scratch and yeah well done for continually scratching it i guess <laughs> um what was I gonna say? so you first published your first novel in 2003 uh, if memory says so how what was that process like oh well, I've been sending stuff out to various places, as I say, 
for a long time. Mm. Um, and it was back in when I first started submitting, it was before the internet was really a thing and you used to have to type stuff out and send it off in huge envelopes, then wait for weeks and hope somebody would phone you or you get a letter back. And at the time I was writing romances and Mills and Boone were one of the few people that you didn't need an agent for. And I love Mills and Boone. I still love Mills and Boone. Um, so I started submitting to them. And I got these lovely letters back saying, oh, we really love your work. Please send us something else. And I thought, oh, how nice. That's really mm -hmm. kind. Didn't thought that was all there was to it. Put it to one side. Had three children in four years. Didn't really submit anything <laughs> anywhere. And then by that time, by the time the children were a little bit older, um, and I had a, a health crisis in my own life that made me realise, look, you've always said you're going to write a book. If you don't, when are you going to do it? You know, um, and the internet was about, and that was when I discovered that when an editor says, please send me something else, they mean, please send me something else. Not, they're not just being nice or polite or whatever. So I kept submitting to them and I kept coming really close and then they kept saying, no, thank you. So I got this growing mountain of manuscripts um, and ebooks were becoming a thing in the States. And so I sent it off to an ebook publisher then um, that were around at the time, Moonlit Romance. They accepted um, a book from me on the Monday and on the Friday I had another acceptance from the People's Friend Pocket Novels here in the UK for a different book. So after all the years of trying, I had two acceptances from two publishers in the space of five days, which was it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was where it got started, really. It's a bit like, your story's a bit like the buses that um, there's, no, there's you're waiting for a bus and at least three get cancelled, but then two or three come at once. Yeah, yeah. So, but every rejection I got back, I kept sending, applying to two more places. Mm. I, I, I got the bit between my teeth and I thought I know my writing's nearly there or, or, or otherwise I wouldn't keep getting all these positive responses back mm. from people you know it wasn't just a form letter there was um tips and hints and different things in it so I thought surely at some point somebody somewhere mm. is going to say yes so I just <laughs> going and going and going they're probably sick of me actually by the way <laughs> but the thing is that's because I'm kind of in the space of where I'm about to start submitting scripts and stuff to two agents. And you've kind of got to have about three or four things on the go because they're not going to just take yeah. your first idea, are they? So when they do say, um, what else have you got? You've got to have yeah. something that you've got to have something else. Otherwise, yeah. they're not going to properly see what your life as a writer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And you have to be flexible, too. Mm. Um, you can't be just so wedded to one book and one idea that you put everything into that and you've got nothing else in reserve because it, there are very few places really that just want one idea from you. Mm. They, they, they ideally would like you to have a couple of things so that they can, you know, build a career with you, really. Yeah. You know, awesome. people that write a one-hit wonder and get away with it. There are people that mm. do, but, it's, you know... You're making the odds which are already huge into something really astronomical at that point. So you do have to be a bit flexible with things. Especially because ultimately, to put it as cynically, well, unfortunately, to put it cynically, they want to make money out of you. That's what they want to do. No, well, they're a business. You know, they're not a charity. They're not doing it for the good of mankind at the end of the day. They've got to pay people, you know, pay the cover artists, the editors, 
all those the proofreaders, all those people that put so much work into your stuff, their marketing department, you know, but they're not doing it just for the good of their soul. Nice though that would be, but you know. <laughs> we live in a capitalist society. I don't know if you, I don't know if you realise that now, but. Oh, oh, this is it. And you yourself, you put hours and hours of your work and your time. You know, you've sacrificed things to do this. As any artist does, you sacrifice sometimes going out with a friend or, um, you know, watching television on a night or sitting in the garden with a drink because you're there mm. tapping away or doing whatever it is that you're doing in order to get something out there. And it's not just that, it's that personal thing as well every time you put something out to somebody else you expose a little bit of yourself really mm. and makes you quite vulnerable so you do have to get quite tough sometimes mm. kind of separate your work from you you know mm. they're rejecting your work not you as a person and and that's important to remember because sometimes you can be so close to something that's so important to you you know i've seen people get very hurt sometimes by the process mm. Can you remember what it was like first getting notes from editors? Oh, yeah, I was so excited. <laughs> I was phoning my friends and going, she said no, but she said, <laughs> you know, this, she said she really liked my characters and she thinks I can write. That was the biggest thing. Somebody actually putting down, I think, really think you can write, you tell a good story. Mm. And that's all the little bit that I needed to think, yes, I can keep going because sometime maybe it's not this idea maybe it's not these characters or this book but there's something that somebody might want at some point mm. and it kind of makes you feel like yeah even though it's not the right thing at the moment and maybe it's not yeah. this right project at the moment but i can do this and yeah. this is the right part this is the right part for me yeah yes yeah. and it, it is and and everybody's got their own way of getting there for and i always say to to beginner writers it's not like you're in a queue at the post office or you know waiting to get to the counter you know so it'll be your turn in a minute it doesn't work like that you know when you see somebody you know online they've like written two things and then got an agent and it published and you're still like slogging away having been there for like six years or something you know they haven't queued jumped around you it doesn't mean there won't be a space for you it just means that you haven't found that that right slot for you yet mm. it's point of looking and comparing because it, it is what it is yeah. that's right i mean it is very easy to become bitter about these kind of things but it's just important to remember that if you do if you are slogging away chances are at some point someone is going to recognize you and it may not be in the way that you think well that it may not be in the way that you thought in the beginning, but yeah. you've kind of got to accept what you're given, haven't you, I suppose? Well, that's it. And for people that write as a hobby, uh, you know, that's great. There's no reason why you can't write as a hobby. And nobody ever said you had to be brilliant at a hobby. Mm. You just have to enjoy your hobby. And if you're getting pleasure and enjoyment from it, then... Maybe you don't want to send your writing somewhere. Maybe you don't want to do anything with it. Maybe you just write because you like writing, and that's great. Yeah. Don't don't think, oh, I, I must go and self-publish it because I've got this writing. If that isn't what you want to do, you're doing just because you enjoy it. That's fine. Yeah. Just enjoy it because you, you can do that. You know, 
I think sometimes we forget that. <laughs> yeah, like the enjoyment is like the key factor in this. And yeah. But you can get swept up in the so sorry, but the absolute bullshit of it of you know the um of the competitiveness of it all. You can yeah. get swept up in it, but it's important to kind of have people around you who have grounded you or keep you grounded. Do you think that you've been able to do that over the years? Yeah, I do. I'm quite lucky in a way. Until recently, I was working um, full time. I was my last job. I was working as um, a deputy matron nursing home. We deal um, with end stage dementia and palliative care. Mm. Obviously, that when you're in that environment, you're very much in touch with, if you if you like, real life, real mm. people. You're not caught up in that London centric bubble of mm. just publishing or just you know this esotericness you, you are with you know you're with people that are dying people that are seriously ill you've got your staff to manage your carers their families families of the people you're caring for so that helps very much to keep you plugged into what's actually happening elsewhere in the world mm. I've also got fantastic friends both writing friends and friends who I've been friends with since we were at primary school together um, and we we keep in touch you know, even through lockdown, we've managed to stay in touch. And they're so supportive and so encouraging, even my friends that don't really get it. But they, they'll they still turn up to cheer me on and buy the book and tell other people that I write. So, and that that's amazing, absolutely amazing. I'm mm. so lucky in that way. Yeah, it's, it's really important to have, like, a good supportive, and a supportive, but... I don't want to say critical, a critical group, but people who aren't just going to make you feel like you're the best all the time because yeah. that's yeah. not that's not what life's like. So um, in 2000, fast forward to 2007, um, you won the romance novels, the romance novel award. What first of all, what made what what was the inspiration for that particular book that you submitted to that um, to that competition? Um, this was the book that I sold to the People's Friend Pocket Novels. It was oh. called Max. It had been rejected by Mills and Boone. Um, I got really close to them taking it, and then at the last minute they decided they didn't want light and frothy. They wanted to go more dark and angsty, so it wasn't a fit. And the category I was in, there were six Mills and Boone novels and mine, <laughs> and mine won. And it was so funny because... <laughs> I got up on the train with one of my friends who was a, a, an aspiring writer and one of my other friends who's from Mills and Boone also leant across the table to her editor and said, was that the book you rejected? Well, my <laughs> and it was, um, it was just surreal. It was absolutely a surreal moment because I couldn't, I still can't quite believe that that, that book was picked, but it, it's still a book that, still earns me the most in um, public lending rights at the library, even though it's out of print every, everywhere at the moment. I'm just currently revamping it to hopefully get it back out again mm. um, in the next six months or so. Okay. But it was just, it was mad. It was so mad that I'd gone up on the train with my friend Alison, and one of the things you, you win for the year is this big sort of silver rose bowl called the Betty Neal's Rose Bowl. And they like presenting me with this rose bowl. And I'm looking at Alison and she's going, 
how are we going to get this back on the train? And it's all right, I've got my backpack. <laughs> thinking, how do we transport? And with this other lady, it's all right, you have to leave it. We have to engrave it. So it's okay, we'll send it on. And we were like, we can't get on the train carrying a big rose pole. That's was that oh that's that's a huge moment and that must and that that must have felt so good in a like in a bit in a bit of a petty way like that must have felt a bit like yeah you did um i was right all along yeah it was it was just crazy i've got um my the man that then became my agent for a while, Darley Anderson, was actually pursuing me around the Savoy where the awards were held, trying to give me his business cards. And I hadn't got a clue at the time who he was because I sort of hadn't really looked at agents. And Mm. one of my Mills and Boone author friends, Michelle, was going, he's a really big agent. You know he's the agent for Lee Charles and Martina Cole, don't you? And I'm going, "Ah, he's not going to write somebody who's trying to get into Mills and Boone. Is he, you know, and she went, take his card, take his card. So I took his card and he was my agent for a while. Um, and then I got my next sort of set of books. Mm. Published. Um, he worked with me with those. And I was published by Little Black Dress. Um, and that's when I won the second, for the second time with one of those books, mm. um, a book called Animal Instincts. So... Do you watch a lot of those ghost hunter programs? Because you've got two books where uh, the character Faye is trying to get onto or trying to be the presenter of one of those of one of those like ghost hunting, one of those ghost hunting kind of shows. Did you have to go through a lot of slogs to get to to write that book? Oh yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> fun, aren't they? If you take them for what they are, they're they're they're, they're brilliant. You know, and Derek Akora with Sam there, and you've got all the things going on, and people going oh, at every two minutes, and uh, uh, whatever it might be, you know, a gust of wind blowing past them. So it was just just a piece of fun, really, to write something in that that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and plus, I've had experiences where there have been things that you can't explain necessarily myself. So it was quite nice to sort of incorporate all of those different sorts of things into into something that people could just enjoy really for what they are mm. you know it's making fun of those things but um just exploring them a little bit really in a yeah. nice way because they, they are great fun they, they are it's like um going on a haunted house ride isn't it you know that it's all set up and something's going to and something's designed to come out you know just to but they are fun. Well, they are quite fun. Yeah, completely. Yeah, programs are fun, and the, there is a real thing that I think a lot of people have experienced. I think there are very few people who will say truthfully that they've never had a situation in their life where there's something that's happened mm. that they cannot quite, to this day, quite figure out a rational explanation for what it was. Mm. Maybe so it could, but there's always that that bit of doubt somewhere at the back of their mind mm. about what actually happened at that point in time. I think most people have had that. Guys, you made it through part one, so why don't you click up and go to part two for the rest of this conversation. See you there.